I do with those questions? Well, we'll wing it. Suzanne. So I am um, delighted to introduce the Reverend Carlton Elliott Smith. He is a um, longtime UU minister, has served up and down the eastern seaboard, also in California, and is from Mississippi. So Carlton and I have been together in various places, didn't know each other well, and he said, hey, I'm coming to Tulsa to, uh, he's going to be the sunset speaker at the point at our UU camp starting tonight, actually. He'll start speaking tomorrow night. So the sunset talks is a tradition. It, uh, just as the sun is setting, we have words of wisdom given to us, and hopefully it makes us better and smarter and more wonderful. And I know it will. <laughs> This Thanks time, I'm sure. This time, I'm sure it'll take. <laughs> so he said, "Hey, I'm gonna come to Tulsa. Can I join you all and uh, come to church?" And I said, "Yes." Oh, by the way, we have this ten o'clock thing. Why don't you speak then? And oh, by the way, uh, we have to do a sermon and do a service. Can you help with that? And then I felt bad because I thought, "Oh my gosh, here's someone I don't know that well, and he has to prepare four talks." And now I'm roping him to everything possible. So I said, what if we collaborate on a sermon? So we started by trying to do that from afar on paper. And, um, and he wrote something lovely. And I thought, oh, I don't know him. And I, uh, the written word is so imperfect. And I don't know if what I'm going to respond to will step on his toes or... Um, so then, so then there was a long silence between us. <laughs> and Carlton said... It was a creative silence. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this simpler. You've said that more than once to me. Let's make this simpler. Yeah. Why don't I come to town? Why don't I stay with you? And we'll figure this out. And where he had started, so what he had written, had started with what he mentioned at 10 o'clock, joy. And Carlton and I, when we've been in spaces together, have been joyous spaces that also contained great pain and confusion, which I guess is also just what it means to be part of a human community and in a church and a citizen of the United States. So taking the theme of joy, I said, okay, let's run with that. So I'm going to let you have the first stab. At that, so we've imagined stab. a dialogue stab. I, I, I practice something called compassionate communication. So yes. when you say stab, I'm just like looking for different metaphors. <laughs> Help us out. What would be another metaphor? <laughs> I'm going to hand this container I of words and you. love Thank for you. you. Okay, I receive it with joy. Oh, awesome! Thank you so much. It's fun to play with your friends. <laughs> Uh, and before I share with you, would, would you be interested in hearing what I initially shared with Kathy with regards to how we're going to get this thing rolling? I will share that with you. Uh, I have to do acknowledgement of uh, my, uh, how I put it, I, I created just a new word as I was sitting here. Mm. Framily. 
That's your friends who are your family, and that's your family. So okay. a member of my family is here. That's the Reverend Yelbonzi Charles Johnson, who's the founding member, uh, minister at Church of the Restoration uh, here in Tulsa, native Tulsa. Uh, always grateful for your presence, dear friend and colleague. Um, yes. So um, this is how I started out um, appreciating Kathy for her ministry here and appreciating being here for the first time. I've arrived at Hope, so that uh, feels like a very uh, auspicious occasion. Um, and uh, just thinking about what I've learned and understood about joy over uh, my lifetime, uh, from my childhood and my early adult years, I remember verses from the ancient Jewish and Christian texts the joy of the Lord is my strength. Some of these will be familiar to you, uh, I imagine. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the test of your faith produces patience. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In our own Unitarian Universalist tradition, we sing songs and verses like, Enter, rejoice, and come in. Remember that one? Uh, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. There is more joy somewhere. And also, Gaudiamus Hodie, which translates from Latin as let us rejoice today. What is this thing called joy, though? Well, if we stick to the Latin Gaudium, joy is gladness, delight, a source of pleasure or delight. For me, joy is distinct from happiness. I tend to associate happiness with outward circumstances, as in being happy to see someone, or happy to have won the lottery, which I actually haven't done. So. <laughs> joy, on the other hand, seems to be more of an internal state, irrespective of events. Some elders and sages say that joy is our natural way of being, or our default, our connection to source, to the source from whence we have come. And I think about that reading also that uh, we had this morning, uh, the Khalil Gibran reading that talks about joy being the inversion of our sorrow. And I find there's a certain amount of truth in that too. Uh, if, who's ever had something like a toothache? It can be very painful, right? And is it not joy when your tooth stops aching? <laughs> That's just, so, we, so in some ways, we understand our joy in relationship to pain, sorrow, suffering. Do you, have you ever had a toothache before, Kathy? I have. Okay. And how did you feel when that tooth stopped <laughs> aching, Kathy? It was fabulous. Was it good? See, now I take the, the reading differently. Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. So what I hear is not that it's a flip, uh, but that the two have to be entwined. So it's not just about the tooth stops hurting, but that you pay attention to that pain. And when you pay attention to the pain, when you acknowledge it rather than trying to push it away, you notice the pain changes. Oh, it just got bigger and hurt more, and I can't uh, eat my favorite foods. That we have to find actually the joy in being present to the pain. So it's not an either or, it's about this entwining. So that the reading speaks to me differently, which is why Carlton started writing this, and I thought, how do I contradict him? Um, we, we need to do this face-to-face. 
Yeah, and I, don't, and I actually don't feel contradictory. Right, no, and yeah. I don't mean it that way, yeah. but you, when you're writing something. Mm -hmm. So, um, and when he wrote that, when he wrote primarily what you just heard about joy, um, I can't remember what was happening that day, but I wasn't feeling joyful. And I know that we had both been at General Assembly, and I was dreading it. And I thought, uh, the spiritual training and what Gibran is talking about is finding the joy no matter what's going on, even when your tooth hurts like hell. So that's what I wanted to ask you. How do you find the joy, and I think that's our task, without being uh, dismissive or Pollyanna about how hard things are in the world, how, how do you find joy then? Even though your tooth hurts, so I'm not going to let your tooth stop hurting. Yes, so my tooth still hurts. I have to be with the hurt. Um, I think the joy uh, for me comes from, uh, as as you say, it comes from an appreciation for um, what the pain uh, can represent. Uh, and for me, there's that biblical verse that I just quoted, which says, count it all joy, even when things aren't going the way that you want it to, even when there is pain in our individual lives and pain and suffering in the larger world. In our social setting, we see tremendous uh, inequality that seems to be increasing day by day as more and more money and resources flow to the people who already have an overabundance and people who are struggling just to survive or struggling even harder, how to hold that. And the way that I hold it is um, with an understanding that, that again, that, that all of that is inseparable and being able to hold that tension together and recognizing that even though I might, might not be able to see in this present moment what the benefit is or the, the gift is that this uh, experience presents, that I'll be able to see it later on. And the other thing that I would say, too, again, is that, we, um, that, that our experience of life is with regards to contrast. So we, it's very, how are you going to have an understanding of health if you don't know what it means to be ill? How are you going to have an understanding of freedom if there's not an experience of being constricted? How are you going to have an understanding of joy if there's not an understanding of sorrow or pain? So if I'm able to expand my thinking a bit and see, that these, again, that these are not uh, opposites, but these are different poles on the same magnet, that there is a, this intertwining, this interrelationship, and be present to that, I think it's possible to move through uh, painful situations in our larger social life and in our individual lives with a sense of uh, gratitude and appreciation because it's all working together. I was saying to someone just before, um, we, in the break between the uh, first hour and this hour, that I can see the benefit of the current, uh, I have to call it a regime, because I feel it's like a regime that we're under now versus an administration in a, a bit, um, that uh, some of the benefit that I see in that is that um, as painful as, it seems, as, as, I, as my experience of it uh, has been, that the benefit can come from acknowledging, well, if we have a person 
who's serving in the highest position in the land, who um, is known to have uh, to have disrespected people's personal boundaries and is on tape recorded having done so, um, is clearly interested in advancing the, uh, the, well, the, the well-being and health and prosperity of those in his closest inner circle, uh, who has had questionable business dealings. Um, if someone can arise to the highest level in the land, then what is preventing anyone in this room or anyone in our larger culture or society from aspiring to be of service to the general public. So, so with that acknowledgement, I feel like there's a certain amount of freedom that comes. So it's painful, but it's also a, an opening of opportunity as well. And so, so, I, so I'm always looking for the gift that's inside the pain if we look a little deeper. Um, the... Buddhist training in me says, um, because you made a distinction between joy and happiness, Mm -hmm. and the Buddhist training in me says there there is a difference, even though in the the Buddhist script uh, of Pali, the languages Pali and Sanskrit, those kind of get entwined, um, that the suffering... So what you just described was a a release of our expectations. And the Buddhists say there's always pain and suffering, but we can decrease that. We can find the joy when we quit. They use the word grasping. Um, Grasping meaning I don't want my tooth to hurt anymore. That's all I can think about. I don't want it to hurt. Or if... uh, if you're going to go political and talk about our political and cultural landscape, um, I want it to look differently and everything else uh, makes me furious. And what you're saying is, no, if you are open, then you'll see, actually you said it at 10 o'clock beautifully too, that when doors close, Mm -hmm. that inevitably means other doors are open. Yes. And so you're saying this current... um, Political climate means the doors have been flung open for all sorts of people to participate in different ways. So the grasping part, so this is what's hard. Let's say you have, we are supposed to have a vision of what a beautiful world, beloved community, pearly gates of heaven that, was, uh, that I spoke about in the prayer, we're supposed to have a vision of what that looks like. And so how do you find joy when it does not look that way, damn it? And <laughs> I see you don't have strong feelings about this. Yeah. And getting there looks so hard and uphill. And um... Yeah, well, I've been uh, paying a lot of attention to um, a spiritual teacher known as Abraham Hicks uh, on YouTube lately. And a lot of that teaching has to do with um, what some people call the law of attraction and how you focus your attention. And what I find is, is that uh, even when things aren't going the way that I want to, again, it's another gift because it's clarifying because what emerges when you're, when, for me, what emerges when I'm clear uh, about what it is that I don't want or a way that I don't want to be or a way that I want the world to be differently, what emerges at the same time? 
how I do want it to be. So it's like, I know it's not that. So it's like, I know I, know I don't like things the way they are, so how do I want it? So that's, I, I, want, I want to live in a world where people are well-fed. Everybody has access to food. I want to live in a world where everyone has access to housing. I want to live in a world where everybody has access to health care. I want to live in a world where people are treated fairly regardless of their religion, regardless of their ethnicity, that we're able to see each other's common humanity. So for everything that I see that I would wish to be different, it's like it's still pointing me, that, uh, so that it's still pointing me in the direction that I want to see more of. And so if I can turn my attention towards that and appreciate the, the ways that which I'm getting clarity because what I don't want is like blah, 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 blah. it's like right there like all the time uh, that gives me some energy and some uh, something to work with to do the work that I think needs to be done in the name of justice, love, peace all of our wonderful Unitarian Universalist values that we lift up and what I said to you when you said, let's talk about joy, and I just had that experience just then again, was this feels like a cool drink of water in a desert. And that, that all the ways you frame this pain make me go, yes, I want that. It is um, a delicious, thirst-quenching notion that joy is always out there and available, which is, I think, what all of the religious traditions ultimately say, that, that, that the divine God within is part of that joy and spirit, and that our efforts to find that in each other is uh, where joy resides, even though the person in front of you may be doing the wackiest thing coming out of their mouth. What phrase did you use that you're not supposed to, when you're, uh, as a child, you were told not to say something? I can't believe those words formed out of your mouth. That's oh, right. <laughs> I can't believe you fixed your mouth to say that. That's what I can't said. can't believe you fixed your <laughs> mouth to say that. Even though I'm surrounded by people, I want to say I say that, too. can't believe you fixed your mouth to say that. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I... I understand that it's, it's possible to uh, acknowledge the pain that we feel, but yet continue to make different choices about like how we're going to be in relationship to one another. And um, to the extent that we're able to reframe and be rigorous with one another and also be playful and have fun, um, it can be a helpful thing. And I was uh, you know, teasing with you a bit earlier about the whole stabbing thing. But there's so much in our culture where we have, Brutal. you know, metaphors and, and references where we don't, we, we are uh, unintentionally steeped in this, you know, in this way of being that is um, so aggressive. And I think we have an opportunity as Unitarian Universalists to present a different vision of how life can be. And what I often refer to Unitarian Universalism is a big experiment. If you can bring people together across all these different uh, theological and phys philosophical beliefs and, and boundaries and borders um, in a spirit of generosity and peace and, and find some common way of being human together and appreciating and affirming each other, uh, that could be like a really powerful thing. And we're sort of uh, in the throes of that right now in our larger association because there's a lot of positions that have opened up and a lot of people who are frustrated and upset and things that are changing and 
Uh, so there's an unpredictability where we've had like a lot of predictability for like a long time. Uh, but it's also an exciting time. And again, you know, opportunities are presenting themselves if we're, if we're willing to step into them. Well, I think you nailed why I keep saying we are a, a saving association because we are willing to be this experiment of diversity and make mistakes and screw up and create pain and step on each other's toes. Uh, but only if we stay at the table can we model for the rest of the world and other denominations and other religious traditions what it means to sit in the pew and have a completely different set of beliefs. So for me, what you just named is at the core of our being covenantal, having a covenant, the promise we make to each other rather than a creed, a common statement of I believe. So Mm -hmm. you just nailed for me that I think we are um, committed to being radical and it does look messy and can be painful. Yeah. And, And... so, so our church has been doing community organizing, and I love the description of what it means to be a leader. One of the traits that's valued in a leader is you have to have a sense of humor. Those leaders who don't have a sense of humor, you'll follow them about this far, and then you get burnt out and go, Phew. So, uh, so, So in prepping for this sermon, I thought, is there joy anywhere mentioned in our Seven principles? No. no. Just so you know. No, there's not. No, it's absolutely true. <laughs> or our sources? No. So, um, so we're kind of innovating here, saying that joy has to be part of everything we do, and leadership has to involve... So joy doesn't have to be silly, but I think there has to be silliness and... And why I so value the, co- the com- comedians, the comics now, who are the truth-sayers for a lot of what's going on, because they're able to... I mean, truth hurts and can be really brutal and digging, um, but is where a lot of the joy resides. Okay, let's look at how absurd this all is, mm-hmm. shall we? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I appreciate so much what you were saying uh, because from my standpoint, I know that I'm not, one of my first cues that I'm not doing my self-care, I lose my sense of humor. I start, to, everything gets, gets like real serious and I start to get, very, again, you know, very aggressive. It's like one of the first things I look for. And for the, these important times in which we live when there's so much at stake, really, literally lives are at stake in the, in the times in which we live, um, if we, and, and it's true that anger and rage will get you a distance. This far. <laughs> it'll get you a you can You can't advance that way. And a lot of uh, movements have moved forward through a sense of anger and rage. And it's got its place. And there are things that we need to be outraged about, I would say. And yet, for the long haul, as you said, if you're working with people who have no sense of humor, who are angry all the time, who who that's their only, only frequency that they can tune into, uh, it's very difficult to sustain uh, energy over time because it drains. Uh, whereas if, you, if you're constantly able to uh, return to a frame of joy, appreciation, gratitude, um, that that uh, is so much, can be so much more expansive and life-affirming and life-giving. Um, so I, 
I encourage um, those of us, those of you who are committed to working for change and, and transformation of our culture, to to pay attention to your joy. Yes. Um, you make me think. So I've been thinking about what what else. So anger can disrupt joy. Um, I've been reactive lately, which is why I responded to your wait, wait, wait. I can't be joyous all the time because I've noticed I've I've shot off angry emails to people. Look what you did. Um, and often what's behind that is there's a fear. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure fear and joy can ever coexist. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that in a course, in a, in a course, uh, a course of miracles, one of the things that is offered as a teaching is, is that fear and love can't coexist. Uh-huh which I think is powerful. And when I stop to think about it, it's like either, yes, it, it feels, it resonates with me, uh, that either you're in a place of love, and I, I think that, that the experience of love is somehow parallel to joy, or that it may, might even be the same thing as joy. Um, but fear uh, comes from sort of like a defensive part, place where there's not enough of something. There's some sort of lack, some sort of scarcity. And then, for me, joy and love represents uh, abundance, and a, a feeling of scarcity and abundance don't go together. Right. Yeah. So I, so I, so I appreciate that. Which makes me think of, uh, a lot of you know, I went to this Buddhist monastery after General Assembly because I, I wanted something to um, change uh, out of fear, not knowing what I was going to find at General Assembly. I wanted to make sure I had a different experience before I came home. And it was so interesting to be in a community that wasn't um, competitive is the only word Mm -hmm. I can think of. Mm -hmm. They're contemplative. There are a lot of contemplative um, situations in monasteries, but but they're committed to not being competitive. So, Mm. And it seems to me competitive competition is about this uh, scarcity abundance struggle not enough not enough mm-hmm. and then yeah and it's counter I mean and to be in a contemplative uh, culture it's it is countercultural to what our nation was built on which is competition aggression mine is better than yours I'm going to look uh, look out for me and mine and forget you and yours this is my space right yes. here by the way yes Okay, good. So I'll, I'll stay over here. Don't cross this line because it's my property. But isn't that interesting, though, right? Because, it's, cause it's, because we become prisoners of, you know, our frames. Right. And because this is my property, it's like never mind the fact that, that, all, that we're all breathing the same air. It's like when you put a, we're going to put a line between the air, too, so that we're not breathing the same air. Is that, yes. It, it, <laughs> It, it, it doesn't work. Because you remember back in the old days when you'd be on the airplane, there'd be like a smoking section on the plane. It's like, we're all breathing in the smoke. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, we're all in this thing together, regardless of you know, who's in first class or not, or who's in the smoking section or not. So I think to the, more, to the greater extent that we can acknowledge that and bring that appreciation for what we share, um, we're going we're gonna to have a, a more enjoyable and joyful life together, all of us. You make me feel hopeful. You are a cool drink of water. Well, I'm so glad for your generosity, and thank you so much for allowing me to share this time with you and your wonderful congregation. They're fabulous.